This is Sending Signals, a show about music and creativity. I'm your host, Matt Royal. Welcome to the show. My guest this episode is bassist Dave Pegg. Dave Pegg is the longest serving member of Fairport Convention. Fairport one of those bands who are a subculture unto themselves. They formed in 1967 with Dave joining the band in 1969. They split in 1979 but reformed six years later in 85 and have been active since then. They're still a very hard-working touring band here in the UK. They came through my hometown of Southend earlier this year and I saw my first Fairport show. Frankly I was shocked how good it was. The band on record tend to be a bit defined by a run of albums they did in the late 60s when Richard Thompson and the late Sandy Denny were in the band. I think a bit of line-up snobbery had contributed to my not having seen them sooner. Alongside Dave, the band still features founding member Simon Nicholl. Multi-instrumentalists Rick Sanders and Chris Leslie have been in the band since 1985 and 1996 respectively. The tour I caught them on also saw them reunite with drummer Dave Mattox, who originally joined in 1969 and has had several spells in the band. A big part of the Fairport culture is their annual music festival, Cropredy, which is taking place in August this year. In addition to Fairport Convention, Dave has played with Jeffro Toll, as well as working with Nick Drake on his Brighter Later album. He joined me online from France for a chat and he was great company. I hope you enjoy it. Come and say hi on Instagram at Sending Signals Podcast or on Twitter at Signals Podcast. And if you can leave a nice review or star rating with your podcast provider, or if you could just recommend the show to a friend, I really do appreciate it. Here's my conversation with Dave. I've got a son called Matt, so I'll be able to remember you know. Um, it's a miracle that I'm talking to you because our Wi-Fi here in Brittany is so slow. Um, so if I lose you, um, I, I do apologise. It's it's just notoriously bad, you know. No, that's okay. How are you? Fine, yeah, excellent. It's a lovely day here, 26 degrees, and uh, we're here all spring. It's the first – well, we were here last spring because of COVID. We had nothing to do, really. Yeah. Um, but – but uh, it, it's it's great. We we don't work. The Fairports used to do a spring tour, but um, with COVID, we realised how nice it is to be at home during springtime. So we've we've transferred our, our spring tour to October. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the idea of having a like a a winter tour is kind of a in a way it's like a strange one because it's like well like travelling in winter and but I guess you you you're inside so it's better than being inside a theatre when it's glorious sunshine outside until nine o'clock I well, guess. Well it's it's kind of hereditary with the fairport because when we started looking after our own affairs um way back, you know, when the band split up in, in nineteen seventy nine in theory. And uh, um, in 1980, we started having reunion concerts at Cropredy. And we did like little winter tours, um, little winter gigs, because we could afford to to rent crew and technicians and stuff in the winter because nobody else was, was mad enough to go out on tour. Yeah. So 
everything was kind of affordable and it's it stemmed from there so it usually at the end of january and the whole of february we've 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 continued since then every year to to tour around the british islands you know um with with luckily a really bunch of loyal people who work for really big names but still we've got dirt on most of them so they still work for fairport <laughs> for very reasonable prices that we can afford because our livelihood has always been treading the boards we've never sold enough albums or cds as it were or you know well eight tracks i've actually got an eight track version of the first album that i played on full house in 1970 which somebody kindly gave me yeah. don't have an eight track player but i've got the i've got the eight track tape <laughs> and uh full house is great and it's it was amazing because my first fairport show was south end just a few months ago all right um, i really like full house and i looked because you had dave dave Mattox back on drums and it's like well it's like three of the five that played on Full House, so like that's 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 pretty good, you know. So that was kind of the. Well, well yeah, it's it's amazing, and you know that it was great having Dave back in the band. I mean, he won't rejoin the band because he holds the record of being the person that's been and left Fairport three times already. So you know, he's already got that record. He's not going to go for go for a fourth, um, <laughs> and then. It, it it was just great for me because we were a very natural kind of rhythm section. We we don't have to think about, you know, what we're gonna play when we work together. It's it comes automatically. It's like we've done so many albums together, both with Fairport and with other people doing sessions and uh, you know, we it we have a, a natural affinity to play with each other. If you'll pardon the expression <laughs> he's got he's got a distinct sound as well he brings personality to to rhythm parts as well the sound of his kit but there's there's a quality to it that oh absolutely like... yeah it's um is is a great musician dm i mean this is not disrespectful to drummers you know you get the old jokes like the bass player is only one above the drummer and all that stuff <laughs> you know in the Musicians have a bit. There's, there's always been that that kind of joke, but but most of the drummers I know are monster musicians. And Dave is is an incredible. Um, you know, he plays really good piano. He has a great appreciation appreciation of 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 uh, music and theory, probably more than anybody else in the band ever did, apart from probably Rick. Rick's Rick's pretty well trained, but. Um, but you know, it, it brings so much back to back to the band, and rhythmically, we we get on really well. And he's got great ideas, and it it's it, it's sad because Jerry Conway was with us for over twenty years, you know, and and but Jerry kind of hung up his sticks. He was suffering badly with arthritis in his hands, and the Fairport tour schedule. Um, Having told you about the the fact that we tour in winter because not many other people do, um, when we do tour, we work like six days a week, and we we'll do like twenty five, twenty six shows in a month, and it's it's a pretty grueling kind of thing. You you get into it, and you know we're getting on a bit. I'm like seventy five now, so is so is DM. In fact, we're you know only a month apart. Um, 
but it, it's hard work you know it, it it does catch up on you it's not as easy as it was when when i had hair for example how, how is life on the road now do you are you staying in hotels or you sleep on a bus how does it work now <laughs> <laughs> no, we've only ever once slept on a bus. That when, when we did America years ago, we had a bus tour. Um, you know, doing a bus tour, the bus buses are so expensive to hire. And to be honest, we we're not kind of party animals anymore. We at the end of the night, we we usually say if I can mention Premier Inns because we get a, we book them so far in advance. Our tour manager, Tristan Bryant, who's also our, our agent and much younger than us, um, and has been working with Fairport since the age of 15, when he was a runner at the Cropridy Festival. And we, we've got dirt on Tristan as well, so we can, still employ, we, can still, we can still employ Tristan. But he books Premier Inns way in advance of the tour, so we, we get really reasonable rates. And... It's it's very convenient because you don't have to check out till midday. But sadly, you can't get in till three o'clock. So when we do, we have we we get in the van in the, at twelve o'clock. We say good morning to each other. Then everybody goes to sleep <laughs> until until we stop off for lunch somewhere, and then we get back in the van and go to the next premiere. In um, in my case, watch Heartbeat, which I've become addicted to. <laughs> because of the music and because i know a lot of the people in it jeff hughes jeffrey hughes was was a great mate of ours and uh you know it's my wife ellen and myself are really um addicted to heartbeat um so that's what we do in the afternoon then we go and do sound check do the gig ellen and myself sell the merchandise hopefully to unsuspecting people um <laughs> Who may be seeing Fairport for the first time. Most of our audience are really loyal and come back every year and have most of the stuff that we kind of produce. We haven't made an album for about over two years. Shuffle and Go was our last yeah. one, um, which we're incredibly proud of. We we thought it stood up as, in its own right as an album and there weren't any kind of filler tracks on it we we really like that album and with covid we didn't get to play it much you know because we couldn't tour so the songs are still really fresh to us and they're very fresh to dave massett's because he wasn't on the album so he's enjoying playing those as well you know is it kind of a commercial decision then for you to be on the merch stand because again i was kind of astonished that given the length of set that you play you do two sets that you were yeah you understand before the show you understand in the intermission and i was like surely you just want a bit of headspace <laughs> and a break between sets i was kind of astonished you were like sat out selling merch it's, it's um I, I don't need the headspace I, I do need a tittle break yeah. you know from time to time um and if if i don't get back in, in from the merch store to do the second you know, sometimes I get back and the band are all already walking to the stage and I've missed my tittle opportunity. And then that becomes a bit of an issue because, but luckily I, I put an instrumental when we planned the set about three quarters of the way in, or into the second set. Um, there's always a Rick Sanders instrumental and Rick has a habit of doing fairly lengthy 
very funny introductions, I must admit. He, he could do stand-up, I think. Um, and his introductions allow me to run off uh, Tiddle and get back, certainly in time for Matty Groves. The comedy, <laughs> the comedy is quite a key part of the show. And you're saying there are parts that, yeah, that almost felt like a, a stand-up show. Are, yeah. are jokes getting repeated night to night? <laughs> well... Well, they do, Rick. I mean, he's got his. He, he takes it very seriously, but he's, um, you know, he, he writes out stuff, and he, he he may sometimes repeat stuff from the night before. Yeah. But you know, it's it's never. It, it, he'll always alter it slightly so that you know there's no opportunity for hecklers to come up with a punchline, and his his timing is incredibly good. It it doesn't become boring for me to listen to it every night you know yeah. because it it kind of varies it slightly and it gets better and better it's become part of the show but we've we've always tried to entertain our audience rather than just stand up there and play the music it's always been a fairport thing it's we always it's always been fairly light-hearted we don't take ourselves too seriously you know when we're on stage <laughs> um it was also an epic set you played for a long time late into the evening and what what motivates that because particularly i don't want to harp on about your ages and all that kind of thing but given your age you could be forgiven for playing a tight 90 minutes you know for a price of ticket that would still be perfectly valid but you choose to play for a long time and I wonder what motivates that. Is it the joy of playing for you, or is it this this ethical thing of what you feel that the audience deserves for having bought a ticket and shown up, more of like a contract kind of thing? Well, uh, it's a bit of both, really. I, I figure, you know, uh, our, our people like Richard Thompson, when Richard goes out, you know, Richard's, you know, he's a couple of years younger than me, but he'll play for two and a half hours or sometimes longer. And I think people want at least a couple of hours music. We, when we do our, our winter tour, we try and introduce people to acts uh, like the opening act, like Hannah, yeah. Hannah Song and, and Ben. Um, you know, were just brilliant on, on on the winter tour, and they do half an hour, and then they join us. Yeah, for, and we do one of their songs uh, with them. Uh, and then we play for about 50 minutes, then we have an interval, then we do an hour at the end. We we like the, the problem with Fairport, it's not a problem, it's just the fact that the band's been going for like 52 years and there are so there are so many songs and tunes in the Fairport repertoire. It's hard to represent what we've done or what our musical contribution is to, you know, folk rock or however people want to pigeonhole it um in like an hour or a 90 minute set you know there's too there's too many songs out there that have to be included really you know we have to include things like matty groves and meet on the ledge and things like the hiring affair who knows where the time goes there, there are big songs that we feel if you're a newcomer to fairport if if you're only getting an hour or an hour and a half music you we might you might be missing out on some important songs you know it's just, it's always the songs that have made the band really 
um, you know, the dance routines never did anything for us. You know what I mean? Or the light show. It's always been um, the music itself. And that that's still the most important thing for us, definitely. I was impressed at how powerful it was. It wasn't this kind of light, jolly, kind of folky thing. It was really powerful in places. And you've got Rick running his fiddle through effects pedals. And it really rocks at times as well. And I was... I was wondering, is there much push and pull in the band stylistically over how traditional to go, how progressive to make it, or are you all kind of on the same page, like with that kind of sweet spot you found? Yeah, well, I think we're we're more or less all on the same page. When we put a set together, you try and utilise the good points that individual members of the band have you know, to bring those out as a group. And one of the things Rick is really fantastic at is improvisation. He's he's not a folky, you know. I mean, none of us are folkies. Yeah. We, we all come from rock backgrounds, you know, when we started. We were all in rock bands before Fairport discovered kind of traditional music. Um, and so all of us are, have that kind of rock background more than a traditional uh, folk background we don't do many traditional songs we have been known to and we love english traditional music but it's not what we do it's um you know sometimes if we find a traditional song that we think we can do justice to uh we'll put it in the set but it's 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 very rarely nowadays where there's a traditional song in the set apart from like matty groves which is, which is there every night that's yeah. probably the one recently that we that we've done, and and things like like Chris Leslie, who's you know whose writing has developed. He's such a great writer now, and he's also he can play kind of anything. Chris, so he's always picking up new instruments. And if he gets if he gets like he he, he bought a, a classic a couple of years ago, and it you know that was that was on the album the next the next the next week when we were in the studio he was playing the harp he loves playing loads of different instruments so we'll get chris to 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 utilize all that in the set simon loves you know simon's a great singer um and so he gets to do most of the vocals um for me i just enjoy playing the bass I, i don't you know for me the joy for me playing is backing other people. It's always been how I've wanted to play my instruments. And I, I don't often do solo stuff, but I do get a chance in Sloth, for example, which is a, you know, a 11 or 12 minutes some night where we all get a chance to play something that can go off at a tangent and it's never the same any night. So for me, that's that's quite satisfying for me because uh, it, it's not something that I've learned parrot fashion. I have to think about it. <laughs> I think what's a real shame in terms of Fairport perhaps not reaching the audience that maybe it deserves now. One is is probably kind of just genre stuff. Maybe you're you're seen as being a more of a folk band than perhaps you are. Maybe you get pigeonholed as being less yeah. progressive than you are. Also, I think yeah. it's unfortunate you talked about not saying many albums, but of course 
the Fairport albums that people perhaps know that have have entered the sort of canon of classic albums of the kind of Sandy and Richard years of a band. Yeah. Which is actually a tiny section of your discography. When you look at the lineup, you know, you've got Simon been in the band on and off since 1967, you since 69, even like Rick has been in the band since 85, which is an astonishing length of time for, you know, any band. And yet yeah. you kind of almost have to view, I think you almost have to view sort of the little early years, the sort of, the sort of classic albums that people might know as almost a separate band. as like almost like a little blip that's kind of separate from what you've built kind of yeah. since then. Is that how you see it? Well, it, it, it works out like that because those early albums, what you must remember were on Island Records. Um, and at the time... Island Records, the people that ran Island Records were the same age as us, the same age as most of the acts they had on. And also the media was a lot different then. The the kind of journals like Melody Maker, Sounds, NME, um, you know, it, it, Fairport were a popular band and they had the Island Press Office behind them, which made people aware of their existence. And do you know what I mean? There was an awful lot. It's not hype. It was just at the time, if Fairport released an album, it would be reviewed in every paper and, and those papers would probably make a big thing about it. Whereas nowadays, because we do everything ourselves, um, we don't employ, uh, you know, we don't make videos. We're not, we, we're not able to kind of get anybody other than Fairport converts who may have seen us come to gigs or come to Cropperty Festival who are on our mailing list or know about our website, which, you know, you can find out everything about the band on by looking at the Fairport website. But, yeah, that, it, it, it's a shame because there's an awful lot of stuff out there that people aren't aware of, you know, like a younger audience. If they like uh, Legion Leaf, you know, there's no reason why they shouldn't enjoy Shuffle and Go or, or the Five Seasons or, uh, or or several albums that we've made in the interim 50 years. <laughs> Do you have an agreement between you about when it can no longer be considered Fairport? Like Chris is your youngest member, just for what it's worth. Like yeah, if, yeah. He, if he outlives all of you and is still yeah. touring as Fairport with some other dudes... <laughs> Is, are you okay with that, or do you have an agreement uh, at what point it can no longer be considered Fairport? Well, well, but by then I'll be on the wrong side of the turf, Matt. So what I think won't really be be relevant. But I, I would like, uh, you know, when I go, I would hope that you know the band replace me. I mean, I'm hoping they won't replace me while I'm I'm still on the right side of the turf. <laughs> <laughs> but you never know, you know, it's been tried in the past, but, you know, I, I had dirt on everybody. So, you know, my position was relatively secure. But <laughs> the, um, no, it would be great. It's it's like Fairport. It's it's much more than just a band, really. It's it's become, it sounds strange to say, it, but it, it's become like a collection of people who are Fairporters. They're people that go to Cropperty every year. They... You know, they come and support us on our winter tour and hopefully on our October one. And they all have similar music tastes. Um, 
which is why the the fact that Crockerty is such an eclectic event, we we can put such a wide range of music on, um, and still it still appeals to you know well at the moment ten thousand people who've bought tickets for it this year so far. Um, we're not restricted or we're, we're pigeonholed by people thinking we're a folk rock band or a frock band, as I like to call it. Um, but but they don't. Our problem is getting a younger audience, really. It's like we've got people of my own age and, you know, people in their 60s and late 50s who know about the band, who come and see us regularly when we tour around the, the English gigs but um but we don't get many youngsters um coming coming you know which is which is a real shame when we do get youngsters when you say about me sitting on a merchandise desk it's fantastic for me because sometimes we see people coming and we say to them have you come on the right night you sure you're sure you're sure that you're at the right concert but at the end of the night, they 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 often come up and go, "Well, we were really blown away by that. We didn't realise what kind of music you did, and we love it, and we'll we'll be out again." So, it's nice for me to find out what people think, um, you know, and and we get all the criticism as well, but not from many people because we we cross them off our mail list if they don't like. <laughs> I mean, it's. Crockley is so, so interesting because you're one of the few festivals that have booked Marillion. I'm a big Marillion fan. Um, yeah. So I think it's really well, cool that, that they they get booked alongside Chic and like whoever else. It's, it's very I interesting. They've been, we've had Marillion a few times, um, in fact. Um, and I knew Marillion because years ago when I was in Jethro Tull, we played at Milton Keynes Bowl. We supported Marillion. They asked us, they, they did the bowl at Milton Keynes um and they they asked Jethro told to do the openings you know to do the support spot there was a lot of contention with with some ex toll members saying why are you supporting Marillion <laughs> but uh but it was a great it was a great uh great show in fact some of it's up on there's a there's a video of Jethro told Fish and Sheep and Rock and Roll, I think it's called. And uh, there are excerpts from that concert at, at Milton Keynes Bowl on there. I can remember because I had red trousers on and a red cap. Of course you did. <laughs> How are plans going for Crop Redu this year? Is everything coming? Absolutely. Absolutely brilliant. It's, uh, tickets are going really well. Um, Gareth Williams, who's our chief executive officer, who does an incredible job putting property together it's it's uh, it's it's not an easy festival to do because it's like building a little city in the middle of nowhere yeah um, it, it's such a great location property but the infrastructure is really complex and very expensive very expensive to put on we were we were really lucky last year we had a great year after after covid um and lots of people came back and unlike many festivals this year we've only put our ticket prices up by about 10 pounds per ticket which is and it's selling incredibly well and we've got Niall Rogers and Sheik people go that's a really strange booking it's a strange act to put on mm. but bizarrely I've seen Niall I mean I'm a fan of of the music I, I, you know I don't get down and dance anymore but um 
but I shall be up at the front of the stage boogieing that on the Thursday night for sure. But I've seen Niall on TV mentioning Fairport on a couple of occasions and saying what an influence the band were. And you think, hang on, has he got that right? <laughs> I've got my acoustic bass ready for him to sign. I've got I've got an acoustic an Ozark acoustic bass that I play when we do our Thursday twenty minute welcome spot, and I, I get guests who are on the festival to sign it. So I'm determined to get Niall. So I am. Um, I don't sit at home listening to Chic. It's not naturally where my tastes lie. But I saw Chic at the Roundhouse. I don't know maybe ten years ago, and they were sensational. <laughs> Oh, I, was, yeah. I was right. I was right at the front for it, and they they did just. I think they just they did like quite a tight hour, which was sort of enough for me. But it was bam, bam. It was like oh, yeah. it was superb. So I can't wait. The the production will be amazing, you know. And and Gareth's done really well to to manage to to collar them for. You know, it's a great lineup this year. We've got what I'm excited about is Gilbert O'Sullivan because. I just think he's a brilliant songwriter. I've always wanted to see him. Um, and and every song, it's like that he's on before us on the Saturday night and the, the whole audience are going to be singing along. It's going to be... And it's the same with 10CC as well. You know, the, it, the, the, the atmosphere at Cropperty is incredible when you get the whole crowd joining in. They can't do that with Fairport because we don't have hits. <laughs> so... So it's great that most of the other bands, the big names that are on, people will know their material, you know. Have you heard Counting Crows cover of Meat on the Ledge? I have, but it's been a while away, uh, a while back. I can't really, I can't remember what much about what it was like. I'm, I'm sure it was fine because that song, you can't do much with it really. Yeah, it's you indestructible. I just wondered if you liked their version because yeah. they um they they play it live quite a lot, but they recorded it um as well for an album um a few years back, and yeah, I th I think it's great. But um yeah, I just wanted to. I'll check it out. I must check it out um, again. Do you have an all-time greatest Fairport show in your head? Have you got one oh. show that sticks out? <laughs> well, um, I I really enjoy like Cropperty every year. One of my best Cropperties was when we had Roy Wood and Richard Thompson on um, on the same year. Richard, in, and in fact, all the Fairport Full House people were huge Move fans. We we love the Move, you know. And when we all lived at the Angel, we'd play the... It, it, there were only two bands that really got constant airplay. With it. Everybody had their own hi-fi. The rooms were like Latham plaster so you know it was deafening you'd have it was always the band music from big pink or oh, yeah. the brown album or the move she could really do the brontosaurus or you know, stuff like that we were um we loved the move and we we so when we got roy wood who's a fellow brummy of course that, that's how come we managed to collar him to play at Cropperty. uh and then one of the highlights of that year was richard and singing heard it through the grapevine with um with the fairports and Roy Woods backing band and the brass section all all girls fabulous players so that was one of the one of the highlights for Cropperty for me and another great one was when Sandy was in the band when when we did the rising for the moon tour 
you know that that was um a very special period for for the band can i ask i'm sure there's loads of stories you're bored of telling but can i ask about encounters with led zeppelin back in the day can't beat a good led zeppelin story can you well most of <laughs> most of my led zeppelin stories i've already told mm-hmm. uh, especially book which i'm i'm plugging although i don't know why because i there aren't any copies left but we're we're <laughs> hoping to have um we're hoping to have an ibook out for next christmas um I, I wrote a book with my friend nigel schofield who's a fairport expert in fact uh he knows more about fairport than anybody who's ever been in the band um my book was called off the peg and there's some zeppelin stories in there i mean the famous one is when they played that um, in Los Angeles, uh, and after their gig at the Enormo Dome, they they came and jammed with us at the at the Troubadour, um, you know, which was fantastic. I didn't actually wasn't actually on the stage. I was getting the drinks in um, at the time, and Bonzo drank excessively. And uh, after after the gig, we all went to a to a club which hadn't yet opened a rock club just down on sunset boulevard and we started drinking excessively there was lots of people there um plenty was there for a bit uh people wandered off but about three o'clock in the morning bonzo was still there along with myself ainsley dunbar was there and the guy wanted to close the club because it shouldn't have been opened. His liquor license didn't start till the next midday the next day. So he could have been fined a fortune for, for serving drinks, although he wasn't charging. Anyway, he tried to get rid of us, but Bonzo said, you know, if you beat me on, on the pool table, uh, we'll go. So they played a game of pool and of course Bonzo won. So we drank for another several rounds. And then the guy said, look, you're gonna have to go. Um, it's now like four o'clock in the morning. Then we heard a police car outside. The guy said, get out quick. Everybody vamoosed. Myself and Bonzo went and hid behind some Marshall 4 by 12 speakers that were on the stage set up for where Savoy Brown were going to be playing the next night. And then the next thing I knew, it was like 10.30 in the morning. And we would, we just woke up like seriously hungover everybody had left the club we hadn't been done by the police i said to bonzo what we're going to do you know and he said don't worry my my driver will be outside he'll be waiting for us so we went outside and the limo driver was still there he'd been there all night because he had strict instructions from peter grant if bonzo goes anywhere you stay outside the door you don't leave till it without him the poor poor guy had been there all night so then I was dropped off at the Tropicana, which was this seedy little motel, uh, very famous in rock and roll history. And and Bonzo went back to the, the riot house. And then he called me at about two o'clock to say, come and have a lunchtime drink. I've got to catch the evening flight to Hawaii where we're rehearsing for a TV show. So I went, you're kidding me. So off I went to Barney's Beanery where Bonzo continued... <laughs> continued this mammoth drinking session along with Janis Joplin who came in there so I did actually get to meet Janis Joplin that's my claim to fame and um, consequently 
he got completely blotto, missed his flight to Hawaii, finished up in my room at the Tropicana, where um, he'd been in the, in the swimming pool and had all, all his clothes stolen. So we had to lend him the money to get to Hawaii the next day. And the Fairport were not popular with Peter Grant. Although he did ask me to join Bad Company. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's kind of like, there's a level on, there's a level on which like the, the stories are entertaining and then there's a context in which like it's kind of like horrendously tragic um, it is yes well it was tragic when bonzo died but you know he, he had he was you, you couldn't he was such he was great fun i mean we were really great friends it it, it really i got really depressed about it when he, he'd gone over the edge you know and he, he you just couldn't stop himself it he became a really sad person and he and he started doing terrible things and you know he wasn't like that really it you know it it it, it was everything considering the the amount of the way that he got so famous and so rich and all that stuff so quickly that's 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 what did him whereas robert you know came through all of that and and he's you know an incredible human being and you know like one of the chaps completely unaltered you know and can still walk down the street now without being frightened and you know give everybody as you know without being uh, sure he gets hustled a lot but it you know he came out of it saying despite all that all that happened to led zeppelin it's amazing I get the vibe that you're just not prepared. You get so little life coaching for dealing with the lifestyle and the access to alcohol and goodness knows whatever else that it's just for young yeah, for young people yeah. thrust into that and that lifestyle that just isn't isn't it isn't natural to be adored by that many, mm -hmm. many people, is it? You know, and it That's must right. it must be. Well, in those days, yeah, I mean, it was incredible their success story. There's been lots of casualties, you know. You, you don't need to dis discuss yeah. it. There's so many, so many people that that went, you know, through through drink and drugs, you know. Which reminds me, I'm on I'm on an alcohol free day today. It's the oh, first yeah. one. I was gonna... first one. Yeah, only because of you, Matt, because of doing the podcast. I was going to ask, is it is because because <laughs> it's easy to talk about like bands on a level like Zeppelin, but even you, you've been a, a touring band and you've like you've been a has it been something that you've had to reconcile with yourself, just trying to like set limits on it? And how have you dealt with it? I had a hard time a few years ago with, with drink and, you know, various substances and stuff. Uh, the band said I should have a rest, which is, uh, is what I did actually. And, um, managed to sort myself out. It, it was bad. Um, and, you know, I, I knew I was okay when I went to IKEA in Milton Keynes on a bank holiday Monday, with without killing people. <laughs> <laughs> Anything for those meatballs. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you got through the other side. Um... The great thing for me is, you know, having survived all these years, being able to to do what I like playing music, to have met many of my heroes yeah it's it's fabulous it's like it's such such a great thing you know and they've all been incredible 
you know they've all they've all been such such nice people you, know, you can't you can't believe people like McCartney what a star yeah. what a nice guy thank you so much for talking Dave it's been it's been fun pleasure Matt yeah thank you so much enjoy the rest of your day mate Thanks, Matt. look after yourself you take care mate see you later bye cheers mate And that's our show. Thanks as always to our guests whose opinions are their own. Visit fairportconvention.com for info about Cropredy and upcoming tour dates. I'm on Instagram at Sending Signals Podcast and on Twitter at Signals Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.